Podcast on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jam Pray Show, and today my guests are Amos Carlin and Alin Robichaud. Rubber show? Did I, did, I yeah. did I mess it up too badly? I'll show you. That was great. <laughs> <Good>. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And we are talking about their brand new documentary entitled Shadows of Freedom. I have to tell you, this was a real eye-opening documentary. A very, very interesting uh, movie. And I, I, I really want to dig deep into this. Um, so our listeners know what we're talking about. Do you, whoever wants to go first, um, Amos or Alin, talk a little. Tell us a little bit about what the premise of Shadows of Freedom is about. Um, uh, Amos, if I'll, you want to take I'll, this. Yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Um, so it's uh, it's it's a World War II documentary, and it recounts the the story of uh, almost uh, four hundred uh, mostly Jewish, very young resistors based in Algiers who ended up uh, being very helpful to the Allies in their plan to land in Algiers and retake North Africa from uh, basically from the control of Germany. And so, so that's that's really the main the main focus of the movie. Uh, but we also do spend some time discussing this amazing mission operation by the Allies that's called Operation Torch, which was the first Allied success in World War II, the Allies being the the, uh, U.S. and the U.K. And we found that this is also a part of World War II history that is very under-regarded. So that, that kind of became a secondary focus of the film. And and Aileen, why do you why do you think this is um, not that well known? Because this was the beginning of our progress, as I should say, of winning the war. Eventually, this is the very first yes. battle that you know. The, again, the, uh, the when America, I think this is the first time America got involved. Correct. It That's is correct. Indeed. Yes. It actually was uh, in our research. We found what, which was really interesting. Um, Churchill really wanted to woo Roosevelt into the war. And at that time, um, you may or may not know, or your viewers may or may not know, or your listeners, rather, um, uh, Roosevelt was in his own little conundrum um, at that time. And he it wasn't well seen by his political to go into World War II. It was in Europe. It wasn't about, about the U- United States. So uh, Ruth, uh, uh, Churchill was very instrumental, and in, uh, I think he he tried, I think, almost for three years to kind of woo back and forth and bring uh, Roosevelt into World War II. And their first mission was Mission Torch. And, and in terms of why it's, it's so, um, or not very well known, um, we do, that does get discussed at the end of the film, uh, by by quite a few of the people that we interviewed, but I, I think that the, the main takeaway that we got from from what our research and what people had said was that the, the the main reason why not many people know about it is because it was it was really com- it was it's a very complicated story which mm-hmm. which Ellen and I learned as we were making the movie and we tried to make it as digestible as possible for for the viewers, but you know ultimately w- what happens in in the story is that. 
is that we're not, uh, or the Allies are not fighting the Germans per se. Uh, they are, but the Germans are kind of in the background. They're actually fighting the the French and and the the part of the French or the parts of France that were collaborating with the Germans. So it doesn't it doesn't make for the easiest story, and and we don't really like the idea that we are fighting France because ultimately we 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 think of France as an ally, and uh, and and that that makes that makes for a more complicated story. And for the most part, they were allies, except for uh, when the Germans um, uh, marched into Paris and took over uh, a portion of of France. Yeah. And and then so the so t- this because this took place um, this oper- operation Torch took place in North Africa. So talk a little bit about how these uh, resistors, these freedom fighters, I guess we would call them, um, how they how they got involved with this and why. And because as you said, there was only not even four hundred of these uh, Jewish French citizens, correct? Correct. That's correct. Well, this was... Uh, Amos, I'll let you uh, kind of um, take it, and then I'll uh, uh, extrapolate from what you say. Sure, sure. I, I can start with that. So the, the the resistors were, as you said, they were mostly quite young, and they, and they were mostly Jewish. And ultimately, I think that th- those are actually the two reasons why they ultimately did get involved, because these were these were people that were really they understood that they were fighting for their lives because at that time they knew what was happening to the Jews in Europe and they knew that, that, you know, this fate was going to await them if things didn't change soon. And because they were young, uh, mostly students, uh, they, they found themselves as soon as, as soon as the situation changed in North Africa. And this is obviously, I'm trying to make this, quite complicated story again, uh, as simple as possible. But, you know, once they realized that the situation had changed, um, or once the situation did change, they were all kicked out of school. As Jews, they were told, you can't go to school anymore. So mm-hmm. these were young people who, who saw that their future could be really bleak, and they didn't really have much of a future not going to school. So, you know, really, I think a lot of them kind of looked at it and said, we don't really have a choice. We need to somehow get involved. Um, and maybe Alin can speak to how mm. how they ended up coming across this coming opportunity together. where they could yeah. actually help. Yeah. Well, it all actually, which is really interesting, is they created um, small little uh, pods of resistors. They didn't want, and knew, no one, let's call them four or five people, would get together secretly over the course of two years, and they were asked, to uh, do various things secretly. Algiers at that time, in 1942, was a very small city. Um, So everybody knew everyone else's business. So that's why it was really important for them to uh, be as secretive as possible and not know who, how many resistors were actually going to uh, um, um, arrive that night of November 8th, 1942. Um, the French brought a couple of, it's really truly kind of like your spy stories. Um, you had the French that came in, um, one being um, Henri Bastier de la Vigerie. His brothers uh, were actually part of uh, uh, the 
the paper that still exists, Liberation, in uh, in France. And he was um, he was a royalist, but didn't like what was happening to his country. So that's why he came on board as one of the main uh, chiefs of this operation, uh, undercover, of course. Um, Amos, do you want to add to the intrigue? Sure. Yeah, I mean, without giving too much away, uh, but but essentially it, it was Ali Dastier who who found himself in Algiers because he he was no longer welcome in France under under Vichy, and he didn't want to be a part of that regime. So he found himself there, and he, and he had the idea of mounting a resistance from Algiers, and he somehow came into contact with with this Jewish resistance movement, um, and he was a well connected guy. Ultimately connected uh, in some ways to to uh, to De Gaulle, um, and through that, uh, which we don't get into too much in the movie, but through Only Dossier's connection, it, it goes back to the Americans, who then who then were able to be in touch with the small resistance movement, um, and and were able to to say, you know, we're going to be landing, we're, we're going to try to retake North Africa, and if you could help us, that would be great. So it's. I mean, this was. First of all, you're right. When you when you talked earlier about you know Churchill wanting to get you know America involved in 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 the war in World War Two, uh, and they had many many meetings, very quiet meetings, apparently from your film. Yeah. Uh, you know that you know mm-hmm. that were publicized and getting together. But what? Um, right. So how did we finally? How did Churchill finally convince America to get involved? I mean, obviously after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, we were involved in the war in the Pacific. But how did he finally convince Roosevelt? Do you know? Maybe you don't know this answer. To finally, you know, get involved in the war and then choose this, uh, choose Algiers as the first offensive that they would work together. Britain and America would work together on. Um, and either, either one can take this question. <laughs> yeah. You want to take that, Lynn? Or, or? Well, I, I know the, the, the second half of that um, that question. I believe that um, the second half of your question was saying, how did they actually choose this mission? At right. that time, as you remember, or, or in history, in our history book, um, the, the Germans were in Egypt, and they had taken over uh, most mostly Egypt. So it was... Uh, I believe, uh, and, and this Amos can talk to as well, uh, diversion for them to say, they're not looking at North Africa. Why don't we go in through the Atlantic? They don't know that the Americans are coming on board. And as a matter of fact, it was one of the largest amphibious missions, um, I believe to this day, going across the Atlantic with the ship. So they weren't, the Germans weren't really looking at North Africa at all because they were looking more towards Russia and towards um, Egypt at that time. Yeah, I mean, we, we do discuss in the movie how the Americans, the sort of central command of the military, what they wanted to do in 1942 was to just go straight at the Germans in mm-hmm. France uh, and, yeah. and basically do Normandy, you know, two years essentially before it actually happened, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think ultimately. You know, I can't. I can't tell you exactly how Churchill convinced him. I know that. I know that they had many, many meetings, and and I know that Churchill was a very persuasive guy, and they ended up, you know, building quite a good bond between the two of them, Churchill and Roosevelt. But you know, I, I think ultimately, uh, Roosevelt just ended up because I think he was a great leader and a very smart man. He he ended up seeing 
the wisdom in what Churchill was proposing that, you know, hey, let's attack the Germans where they're weak. This is also our first real offensive. You know, we have a bunch of kids basically in our army who don't you know really what they're doing, who are inexperienced. Um, and we speak to that also in our film, you know, so, so this would probably be the wisest course of action. And, you know, ultimately it was like a cooler heads prevailed type of scenario. And, mm-hmm. and it, I think it ended up, you know, being to everyone's benefit to do, to do this mission at that time. It's, it, this is really, it truly is fascinating. When I, I, I love obviously the archival footage. How did you find all of this? And you, you have, um, you know, pictures of the resistors, um, you know, and, uh, their stories. And, you know, how did you come across all of this? And how long did it take you to put this film together? And either one can answer that question too. <laughs> I'll let Alin start with that because because she she has she was sort of uh, more involved in the research end of things uh, than I was. Um, I came on board um, about two years ago. Uh, was it two years ago? It might be three by now. And um, Amos had already been um, deep within trying to put this together, the funding, and as you know, that that's the most um, crucial part of putting together any project documentary or otherwise. Uh, when I came on board, um, there was some research already done, however, not really a lot of archival. Um, and when we decided, okay, this is a, the course of, this, this, these are the uh, essential pieces that we need to, to piece together the documentary, uh, I kind of went online and um, delved into where can we get archival footage? What it, it was all about kind of um, going down the rabbit hole, following one lead and going into it and going down and, and finding great footage in France and in, in the UK. Um, magnificent um, Ina, which is a magnificent uh, footage house, I, I guess you could call it, production house, as well as Br- British Pate. Yeah, and, and when it was Alun who who managed to to find the this archival footage that you referenced, Jan, of the resistors themselves, uh, which was shot in 19, 1972 on the 30 year anniversary of the mission. For it was some kind of uh, special or, or documentary that that uh, was aired on French television uh, in the early 70s. And when when Alun came across that. Uh, footage, it really, really opened up the, the film for us. It really kind of gave us a focal point because we, that, we actually didn't know that that existed and we were, we were, you know, dying to find something exactly like that. And then to, so to actually find the resistors themselves speaking on camera and, you know, you know, sort of close to the time of the war, obviously 30 years is quite a bit of time, but, you know, better than having them having footage from the 90s or the 2000s uh that that was a real real find for us and and we felt that it that it really helped to tie the film together so it sort of gave a voice a voice of of uh the resistors that we could not because they were mostly all deceased we did not have access to yeah it, it's just amazing and then the I mean, the archival footage is just, it's breathtaking and because so much had been filmed of this operation. And that's what, you know, I mean, to have that, um, it was just also fascinating. I'm, I'm, well, anything to do with World War II and even World War One, I'm, I'm totally enthralled with. I mean, I think a lot of us are, you know, we, it's a piece of our history that we'll obviously, uh, never forget, but this particular, uh, um, offensive was, 
one that's just not that well known. So I, I did read in, in, in the research of this that Professor, Professor Sarah Carlin, um, is that any relation to you, Amos? Yes, she's actually my mother. Yes. Okay, that's it. So she <laughs> is the one, that's what I thought, was the one who yeah. found this piece of history. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about that. And then out of the fact that your, your, your mom had found this, that you decided as a documentary filmmaker to, to proceed forward to make this film. Yeah, it, it's a great story. Um, so, so my mother, um, Sarah, Professor Sarah Carlin, so she's she's a very well-regarded academic, and her, her area of specialty is the history of North African Jews. And she came across this book that we that we reference in the movie in a in a small uh, bookstore in Jerusalem, just kind of randomly one day. This is about eight or nine years ago, and uh, so she found this book recounting this. Uh, re- resistance movement in Algiers and she she read it and she couldn't believe that she had never heard about the story. Um, it's also worth mentioning that she was born in Tunisia and she lived in Tunisia which borders on Algeria in North Africa and she, she was she was uh, very very young during the war but she lived there um, and ultimately you know, she she was you know a uh, positive recipient, let's say, of this operation because, like, she has memories of her father um, being forced to wear a Jewish star and, and helping to build concentration camps in Tunisia. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, cl- clearly, if this operation hadn't have happened, when it happened, and wasn't successful. You know, it, it's it's a good chance she wouldn't have made it, and I I wouldn't be here either. Right. So so it became a really start to become a personal story for me as well. And so she approached me and she said, you know, someone has to make a movie about this. And she was thinking initially like a fictional type of treatment. And, you know, I, I, I realized that that would cost an arm and a leg and would, you know, would, would take a very, very long time to put together. So, uh, you know, I, I told her, I told her that I thought it was a great story, but we'd probably have an easier time turning it into a documentary, uh, which ultimately also took a long time, but, but clearly it would have taken, uh, <laughs> It would have taken a lot longer if it was a fictional movie because the amount of money we had to raise was about, you know, easily one one fiftieth or something of what we would have had to raise for for fictional treatment. Do you think after um, this movie that somebody might pick this up and try to do a fictional um, version of it? You know, a movie production of it, turn it into, you know. That's, that's our dream. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, we've actually been talking about it. Uh, Alina and I have, have talked about that uh, ourselves, about possibly putting together a treatment for, because uh, I think at this point we're probably one of the, you know, experts uh, on this subject in the world because there's so few and, and we examine so many different angles of it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it might be an interesting future endeavor. Indeed. I think so. I mean, it's got it's it's just an. I mean, there's so much to this documentary and to the story, you know, about Operation Torch that uh, I think just begs to be made by a Hollywood studio with, you know, and, and because I think it would just be, yeah, I, there's, it's just a great story. Sometimes, you know, documentaries don't always translate well into a feature film, but this one certainly would this translate. Definitely would. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'd like to think would. so. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think so. Um, where has this film been shown and where can people see it? So right now, obviously, because of the current world situation, it, it's not uh, available in theaters, uh, but it, it is available in North America uh, by VOD. So basically all, all your favorite platforms uh, currently only available for rent. Um, 
but that would be like iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, YouTube, Hulu, Microsoft, Xbox, I believe. Um, those would be the main ones. So, so, so that would be your easiest uh, way to, to find it. Um, we have a website. That it's just Shadows Freedom, no of. Uh, so just shadowsfreedom.com. And all the information is there if you do want to view it. Oh, great. Because we want, you know, after this discussion, I'm sure there'll be lots of interest in wanting to see this documentary. You also, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I said hopefully, hopefully there will be. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> Unless you also are the composer of this, the music in this film, and I just thought the music was just stunning, and and uh, it really was. Talk a little bit about that process for you too, because you're you are predominantly a composer, correct? Your your the work you've done a lot is in composing music. That is correct. Thank you, and thank you very much. Yeah. Um, So uh, I've done I've done a few film soundtracks before. Uh, I've actually never done a full-length documentary. So it was, I mean, I, I could spend hours talking about this, but it, it was definitely it was definitely challenging because I, I think what, what I learned in doing music for a documentary is that you don't really have the dramatic cues that you do with fictional movies, right? So, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and a lot of our movie is interviews and narration as our most documentaries. So you're trying to compose music that that you know helps to helps propel the the story forward helps to keep the viewers engaged but also doesn't you know just distract the viewers from what's being said so i I think in terms of the emotional content that i tried to achieve that was that was certainly the the biggest challenge um in doing that um and in, in terms of the 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 kind of musical um I guess uh, genres that, that I wanted to touch upon. I, I I wanted a lot of it to have sort of the the typical dramatic weight that you that you would expect from war movies. So I, I tried to to you know mix orchestral sounds um, with, um, but but I also wanted there to be a you know some kind of Algerian flavors as well. So I tried I, I used some. North African instruments in certain parts of the the movie, um, and then for the kind of more suspenseful dramatic scenes, I I tried to make it sound I guess contemporary, and I used sort of combinations of synths and and kind of drum machines and stuff like that for those passages. Well, it certainly adds to the the mood and of this film. It really does. It's really. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's. It's just excellent. It really just is really beautiful. It is. If I may, Amos, the the uh, divisions of of the lead up to the culmination was uh, uh, specifically and um, uh, it was really curated in such a way um, that that brought out the tension. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's it. That's yes. for you. Almost. That's a big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <for> you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. And actually, I may as well mention it, but the the soundtrack is going to be available, uh, I think, next week uh, for like on on the streaming sites like uh, like iTunes Music and Spotify and wherever else people would would stream music. Amazon, it'll be available on all those pretty soon. Wonderful. I highly recommend that people um, go look for Shadows of Freedom, uh, the, the streaming the music, and also uh, for the film itself. It's just wonderful. Thank you, uh, Amos and Alin, uh, 
for being on the show and I wish you nothing but great success with this uh, documentary and if it does become uh, or when it becomes we won't say if when it yes. becomes a feature a feature film um, <laughs> we'd love to have you both back on to talk about that experience <laughs> we would love that yeah we love it thank you so much oh thank you're you so welcome much. thank you so much have a great day thank you you as well like, thank you like the Jam Price Show on Facebook and follow Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. And if you like the show, tell a friend about the show. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast on the iHeart Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio, Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. 